Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. All right. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. Let's stand to our feet. Hold your Bibles up. Cup your hand. Fake it till you make it. Whatever. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 119. And while you're turning there, just open with this thought, because oftentimes we are very, very shallow if we're not careful. So this young man was having a conversation with God, and I guess you could call it prayer or maybe just conversation. And He asked God, he said, you know, why did you make women so beautiful? He said, it's it's real simple, so you'd like them. Why did you give them such beautifully flowing hair? So you'd love them. But just this beautiful smile, why would you do that? Because I want you to love them. He said, now God, i got to ask you a really, really difficult question. Don't get mad at me. But why did you make them so dumb? God says, real simple, so they'd like you. So, anyway, I just, I just probably ought to go to the Bible, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just, just had a thought there just for a minute. Women, that was just really a great opportunity. If you go, now we get it, all right? Yeah, thank you. That won't even get me a cup of coffee. Psalm 119, 17 through something. Be generous with me, and I'll live a full life. This is out of the Message Bible. Not for a minute will I take my eyes off your road. Open my eyes so I can see what you show me of your miracle wonders. I'm a stranger in these parts. Give me clear directions. My soul is starved and hungry, ravenous, insatiable for your nourishing commands. I've been doing a series on influence, and the very first week I talked about the most important thing is creating a connection with people. When God sent Jesus to the world, if you'll notice, he didn't say, I've come into the world to correct the world so the world that's so stupid might be saved. He said, I sent my son in the world because he loves us so much that he didn't want anyone to perish. And so God began by creating this loving connection with mankind. But since mankind has fallen and we've done our own thing, it's very difficult for us sometimes, I believe, to extend the same love and grace to other people. But we're called to follow first the direction of God. Now, I talked about connection last week, connecting emotionally Weeping with those who weep, laughing with those who laugh. Having a connection with other people will open their hearts to what you might have to say. 
And oftentimes we want to start out by correcting the wrong in people. We see things wrong, and maybe they are wrong, but the reality is you can't convince somebody that you really care about them if the first thing you do is address the things that they're doing that are either wrong, sin, or just maybe bother you. You have to earn access into the lives of other people if you ever hope to speak into the lives of other people. Now, number one, you never want to lie to, to win someone or to influence someone because if you do, that's the way you're going to have to keep them is by continuing to lie. But I had this thought that the truth always hurts before it heals. And a lot of people don't want the truth because it does hurt, but what they don't realize is the hurt will produce healing if you address it. It's when we don't address people with truth, they will never be free because if you know the truth, the truth is what makes you free. And here's the reality. Every one of us need people in our lives speaking into our lives truthfully to make us better. How many of you know, if you're a sports fan at all, it's not always the team with the best players that win. It's the coach that gets the best out of the players he has. There are teams that have athletically, ORU being my alma mater, that beat Ohio State. That should have never happened, and I think Oral's in heaven jumping around. <clears throat> but you can't tell me that ORU had better players than Ohio State because they didn't. But for some reason, the coach reached down in for a miracle, and he got the best out of the players he had. That's what influencers do. They're not perfect, but they look at people, and they try to find the best in them, and then they work to extract the best out of them. And you have to give people opportunity to make mistakes. You have to give them room for error because we all error. We all make mistakes. And, you know, every Sunday that I show up here, my thought is if I show up and don't have anything to say, and this is every preacher's nightmare is to get on stage and go, I don't know what to say. Now, most of us have this, this gift of gab, I guess you'd call it. Somehow we get by, but you know when you're just getting by. So the idea is every week you hold me accountable to bring something to you that might speak to where you live and help you with the best that's in you. And so it, uh, this part, my soul is starved, hungry, ravenous, insatiable for your nourishing commands. Most people don't want to be told what to do because they feel like they're inadequate if somebody tells them what to do. Now, I grew up early on racing cars, and I had a friend who owned a drag boat dealership, and so I grew up racing cars and drag boats. It was my life. But I did it on rivers and, or on, in, in lakes in Oklahoma. And can I tell you something? Lakes in Oklahoma are different than the Gulf of Mexico. There are sandbars all over the place, so you have to know depth charts. You have to know. And so with that said, when I decided I wanted to learn, I hired a captain for two days and said, I want you to give me directions because I don't want to tear up a boat. Now, I like boats, and most of you know I'm, I like to have a lot of fun. But I've learned as I've gotten older that sometimes you need somebody in your life just to give you directions, to help you out. And if you're afraid to ask questions, you're going to be off course 
most of your life. The Bible answers questions we have, and those, those answers that, that God gives us in his word give direction to our lives. But remember, the very first thing I said in having influence is connecting with people. I don't know what the exact statistics are, percentage, but I've heard that people who are successful are successful primarily because they have great people skills. It's not because they're the most brilliant guy in class or gal in class, but because they know how to address people. And when I was a youth pastor, we had this saying, friends don't let friends go to hell. In other words, if I see something in a person I love that is preventing the best from coming out of them, if I'm really a friend, I'm going to address that. Now, I'm not going to have pleasure in addressing it, and I'll get to this in the last point today. If you enjoy correcting people, they're probably not going to receive your correction <laughs> because they see that really what you want is you want to be proven right instead of proving that they have better things in them. So we have to create this connection, and the Bible says love never fails. So ask yourself the question before you try to have influence over somebody, am I doing what I'm doing or saying what I'm saying in love in hopes that they will become better? Because sometimes people don't want to hear what you have to say. Can I tell you something? It's called pride. And pride comes before the fall. And I know this from experience. (laughs) This is not just a theory. I've been there, done that. And finally, as you get older, you go, you know, it might be easier to learn from somebody else's lesson than your own. I was told if in Southwest Florida, if, if somebody tells you they've never ripped a prop off of their boat, they're lying. Or they've just never had a boat. And so the reality is that we've all made mistakes. We've all been flawed. But isn't it nice to know that someone cares enough to say, you know, let me help you not have to replace a prop. I'm all about it. My goal would be to never have to replace a prop because I listened to people of influence to influence me to do, know how to do what I want to do. And everybody has a dream inside them, but to get to your dream, you need to learn. You need to have influencers in your life. I told you the story of a guy, and I'll tell you more about him in a minute, but he's a pretty renowned minister and. And every, he said every time somebody talks to him about what he does for a living, he doesn't tell him he's a pastor or a preacher. He says, I'm a learner. They said, no, what do you do for a living? I'm a learner. I'm always learning. I get up every day wanting to learn. And when someone says something that doesn't settle well with you, it doesn't mean they don't like you. In fact, it may mean they like you enough to risk losing the relationship. I don't want people who rubber stamp everything in my life. I want people that love me enough to say, you know, Mark, what if, or why don't you try, or why don't you do? That's what I want in my life. Now, if you're really young, let's say you're in your 50s. How many of you know young and old changes a lot as you get older? I'm not old. I'm just getting older. And when I'm 70, I'm just telling you something. I won't be old. I just can't see it that way. Now 60 becomes young. Just helping all you out this morning. So truth will always hurt before it heals. And as I said last week, 
there are no bad people. There are just good people who do bad things. If I said there were bad people, that would mean God made somebody that is bad, and God doesn't make anything bad. But people choose to do things that are bad that make them look bad, but the reality is they're really good, but they do bad, and now we see the bad that they do. And certainly there are consequences for that, but the reality is nobody is a lost cause. So direction, this is the second point. Once you've made a connection, then you can begin to give direction. How many of you know that Jesus spent 30 years of his life connecting with people? As a Jewish man, he could not preach. He could not become a rabbi. He couldn't be anything until he was 30 years old. So for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, he went around doing good, loving on people, healing sick and diseased people when he became a minister. But in his heart, he was there. But 30 years, he waited. He's connected. And sometimes we don't take long enough to connect with people before we gain some sort of equity in that relationship that can give direction to their life. And, and so a friend of mine, or actually an acquaintance who pastors a church just north of Houston, grew up there. He's a fisherman his whole life. But one day he and a friend of his decided they wanted to fish in a different location So they went to get the boat, and they ran into a guy that, an older gentleman who had been fishing the waters they were at for a long time down in the Gulf of Mexico. And so they knew they were going to do something different. They they had heard that fishing around the oil rigs was a really good place to catch big fish. And so they asked him, now, if we go out to the oil rigs and... Once we get out there, because it's, it's, you know, it's a long way offshore, you can't see land. And he asked the old gentleman, he said, if I get out there and I don't know, you know, I get kind of disoriented. He said, what, how do I get back to this marina? And so first off, it showed humility that he would ask, because he'd been fishing his whole life. But this was something new to him, so he offered the opportunity to this older gentleman to give him direction. Now, let me just say, sometimes you need to ask questions, but we don't like asking questions because sometimes we think the questions we're going to ask are going to make us look dumb. But he decided, you know, I need to ask him. He'd done fishing for a long time. He'd had some experiences, but he had never been here before. So the old man said, it's real simple. When you get out to the oil rigs, when it's time for you to come back in, he said, just go due north. My friend said, okay. So they go out, they're fishing, they're having a great day. It takes them like a long time to get to the fishing spots. But they finally get there and they're catching fish. And before they know it, they're not even paying attention. And a fog begins to roll in. And as they finally realize this fog has given them, restricted their vision, they could see about 30 feet. And that's all they could see. And it quickly, my acquaintance, my friend said to his, his fishing buddy, he said, we, we got to get going. And so in his gut, he had this feeling that he needed to go a certain direction. And he told his friend, I, we need to go this way. And his friend said, no, we need to go exactly the opposite direction. How many of you have ever forgotten when somebody spoke into your life until you got really desperate? And finally, since they disagreed, which was perfect because had they agreed, they would have never made it home. So finally, my friend says, you know what? I'm going to get the compass out and we're going to go due north. And they went 30 minutes, and his friend said, I just know this is not the right direction. We need to turn. I know that I feel this is not the right direction. And my friend said, no. He said, the gentleman told me, 
He gave me directions before I left to go north by the compass. 30 minutes, an hour, still nothing. An hour and a half, still nothing. They can barely go any speed at all, so it's taking even longer. And finally, when they were about to run out of gas, they saw the lights at the marina. Because he had given this older gentleman the opportunity to speak into his life and give him direction, it saved their life. Now, what does this have to do with us? It has a lot to do with us. It's very simple. That the Bible is our map. It tells us due north, if you will. It's our map. And there are times that we look at the Bible, and it just doesn't feel right. Somebody hurt our feelings. And you say, I'm writing them off. Never again. And we start making decisions. But the Bible says, forgive, and you'll be forgiven. But I don't want to go due north. I don't feel that. That's not what I want to do. And too often as Christians, we're making decisions based on our feelings or our emotions and not on the Word of God. And God's given us direction in life of how to live. Give and it shall be given. Love your neighbor. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. But we have to surrender to his counsel. My friend had to surrender to the counsel of a man who had fished those waters more times than he could count. And because he heard him and didn't let pride rise up in him saying, I know I can feel it. How many of you know sometimes what you feel is the pizza you had last night? So the very first thing we need to do is listen to God's direction if you want to walk in blessing. I'm going to ask you a question. How much do you think a paperback book like this cost? $3.95? $5.95? Just a paperback book. It's real thin. You know how much this book cost me? $1,000. You say, why did this book cost you $1,000? Because when I was in my darkest hour seven years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night And I turned on television, and when I turned it on, it was a Christian station. (laughs) Two in the morning. And this guy's on there talking, and and it's one of those things that I'd always hated because it seemed like a Christian scam to me. But I thought, you know what? I'm in a really dark place. How many know sometimes you have to get in a dark place to listen? So I just sat, and I couldn't turn it off. And finally, he said, if you'll send $1,000... I'll send you this book. And I thought, well, what kind of moron would do that? (laughs) I became that moron. And let me tell you why. Because I knew God was saying, Mark, you're in the worst place you've ever been. Will you trust me? It wasn't really about the book. It wasn't even about the money. But what it was about was obedience. That God had a place in my life. And I knew, I knew that voice in my soul. And I knew if I listened, if I would just go North, not do what I felt like doing because I, I didn't have a job. I had no income. I had some money saved, but I, I, was, I wasn't in a place of going, well, that's an easy thing to do. So I got out of bed, two in the morning. I called the number on the screen. And I said, here's my credit card. I'm going to give $1,000. They did what they said, and they sent me this book. And he said, what does that have to do with anything? Okay, that was about probably three months before God impressed on me to come back to Oklahoma City. Well, I got a call from a business owner, a really good friend of mine, who we've been through a lot together, and he is, I've watched God bless him from nothing to a ton. 
And he and I have been very, very good friends. And he called me, and I had told him, I said, you know, I feel like, I said, John, I called him, I said, I feel like God wants me to go back to Oklahoma City and start a church. He said, uh, he said you know, I want you to come by my office before you leave to go back. Because I was living on the island in, in Corpus, outside of Corpus Christi on an island down there. And he said, I want you to come by my office. It was in downtown Corpus. So I went by his office, and his assistant was there, who I've known for as many years almost as I've known him. And he said, just see Janice when you go in. So I went in, and I, she hands me an envelope. So I go to my car. I didn't think much about it. When I opened the envelope, it was a $20,000 check to start Mosaic Church. Now you say, what, what are you saying? I don't think I would have gotten that check without being obedient to God to give the 1000 I didn't have to get the 20 that he had out there. Yeah. Now see, some people want God to show them what he's going to do before they do what he's told them to do. God doesn't do that because it doesn't require faith. And without faith, you can't please God. And when people come up and say, you know, Pray for me. I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. I always, and you're going to think I'm mean, but I'm just old enough to be a little cranky. I can say things I couldn't say when I was in my 30s, and I'm going to say them. Pray for me. I'm broke. Do you tithe? No, I can't pray for you. Or if I do, I'm going to ask God to make you obedient to his word so that he can bless you. I'm just being hard truths. Because I told you, sometimes truth hurts before it heals. But that night changed my life, and I'd always been a giver, but in this moment, my world was shattered. I didn't think I had anything to give, really. And because I followed the direction, due north, follow God, I was given 20000 to help start the church. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, you can argue with God, you can argue with the Bible, all you want to argue you're not going to win. When God says forgive, he means forgive. When God says give, he means give. When he says tithe, he means tithe. You say, but I'm living a good life. Think about what your life could be if you obeyed him. If you think you have a good life now, you can have a great life. As a pastor, I've had the privilege of working with business owners for the last 30-some years. And I've watched Literally with my own eyes, the guy that gave me the 20000 when I knew him, he was sitting in a park with a vehicle with a hole in the floorboard with four small children crying out to God ravenously, insatiably saying, God, I have these children and I'm barely getting by. I'm asking you to help me. He went to a church that taught him how to tithe and he went from that to hundreds of millions of dollars in a very short period of time and all above board. God began to show him what he could do, and he did it. Folks, I cannot tell you enough how important it is in a politically correct world to live a biblically correct life because we're not saying things that we should say. We're not doing things that we should do for fear of what someone will say about us. When I opened this church again, I was highly criticized, and somehow criticism always makes it waste to you. I tell you what, if good news traveled as fast as bad news, Jesus would have returned 30 years ago. And if I would have listened to that criticism, 
I wouldn't be standing here today. But I'm not going to stand before the people who criticize my return. I'm going to, I'm going to stand before the one who's going to return for those who have been criticized. And I have fleshly moments where I just, I just want to go and be at the, the gate when Jesus is sitting there and all heaven's watching. And I want my critics all around me and I want them to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Then I want to turn around and do things that are very inappropriate as you're going into heaven. Just being real. I won't do it, but just being real. Our flesh really plays on us. But I know that's not right, but I know this. That God is a good God. And if we'll obey Him, we will see the fruit of that obedience. He never fails. Now, I wake up every day. There's so many things in the Bible, like when God said in the wilderness, I'm going to provide food for you every day. Do not bring any food into your tents. I want you to wake up every day and trust me that I will provide for you. Today, you can't serve God for five years and expect those five years to, to provide for you the rest of your life. That's not how it works. We have to get up every day and trust God. I can't say, well, God, I preached for 30, 40 years. Uh, Shouldn't I get about 20 off? It doesn't work that way. God says you have one day at a time. This is your day. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not here. I want you to obey me today. Well, God, but you know I gave way back in, in the day. I gave this much. The reason my friend is so wealthy By the first week of January, he's already given more than he can deduct. (laughs) There is a limit of charitable giving. He exceeds that the very first week of the year. I can't say enough good things about him. When I went through my tragedy, he called me and said, I know you have one daughter that hasn't gone to college yet. He said, I'm going to put her through fully. God knows what we need. God knows how to provide. He has honored his word, and he continues to honor it. So direction is more about how to than what to. In other words, God didn't come and just issue a bunch of mandates of what we have to do. He said, here's how you do it. You trust me. You love your neighbor. You do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. This is the how to to walk in the blessing. God didn't say, this is what you have to do. He says, this is what you do if you want what I have for you. Matthew 10, 38, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He said, how do you become worthy? He's saying, how do you become worthy? By taking up your cross. That's how. How do you get blessed? Be a blessing. How? How? The Bible is full of how to experience All the good things of God. How to. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How do you get rest? Come to him. How? Come to him. He didn't say, all of you who are perfect, come to me. All of you who have never sinned, come to me. He said, all of you, just come to me, and I'm going to give you rest. So there are people who are in turmoil... And in funerals, I've done more funerals than I can count. 
my prayer for the family is that they would experience a peace that passes all understanding because that person's not coming back, but God will always be present. When we come to him, we will find rest. When we try to make sense of something, when my friend's son, 17 years old, died in a single car accident, there is no making sense of that. This man loves God, pastors a large church, has obeyed God right down to the T. And most people spend their whole life trying to figure out why it happened. And what he decided was, I can't bring him back, but I can find peace in the loss by coming to the Lord daily, coming that I might find rest. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 11, pattern yourselves after me. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ the Messiah. Paul said, I want to lead you to places that right now your mind cannot comprehend. It's a story entitled, She Kept Dreaming That There Was Nothing She Couldn't Do. She said, I grew up in the projects in South Bronx. We were poor. My mom raised us pretty much on her own. She was an extraordinary woman. She kept me safe, happy, fed, and sheltered. And she kept me dreaming that there was nothing I couldn't do. I give myself zero credit for this wistful desire to be great. My mom decided that, and I followed her direction and went with the program. Today, Michelle Roberts finds herself as executive director of the National Basketball Players Association out of South Bronx. You see, we can, we can try to excuse our unwillingness or to, to follow God or obey Him or follow His direction. We can try all we want, but the reality is everyone here has an opportunity to obey the Lord. And you look around you at people who are blessed and walking in joy and peace, and you think that maybe they had a, a foot up or a leg up. But the reality is some people came out of very impoverished situations, but decided to obey God and His direction, and that's why they're blessed. But most people who watch people who are blessed criticize the blessed because they're not blessed, so it's just easier to criticize them. If you find someone blessed, go ask them if you can hang out with them for a day and let them do the talking. Because here's what typically happens when somebody starts telling us how they got to where they go. And this happened to me one time. Our church was growing so fast. And it was, you know, 1,000, 4,000, 6,000. It was growing so rapidly that people were watching. And there were magazines. And we were on television in 200 countries. And, and I got a call from Las Vegas. There was a church there. And there was a, a consultant there consulting a pastor who was struggling. He was stuck at 500 and he just couldn't get over the hump. And so he calls me and he says, would you, would you do a conference call with us? I'm trying to help this pastor break out of the slump. I said, well, sure, I'd be glad to help any way I can. I'll just tell you what we've done. I'm not saying we've done everything right, but I'll be glad to answer your questions. So I thought I'd be able to give him some direction and maybe help him. So they call me and they're on a speaker phone at his church in Vegas and I'm on my phone. And this consultant began asking me questions. What did you do here? And I would answer and then you would hear the pastor say, we've done that. Ask another question. I'd answer. We tried that. Didn't work. And for about 30 minutes, anything I said was rejected. Well, 
I didn't say much. I hung up after the conversation, and the consultant called me back privately when he was out of the earshot of the pastor, and he said, I am so sorry. He said, I don't know what's wrong with him. He said, I heard what you said, and he said, I can tell you right now, they're not doing what you're talking about. The pastor was so prideful that he couldn't take any direction from what I was saying. Let me say this to you. If you're a learner and a listener, you're always going to get better. But if you think you have all the answers, you're either going to stay where you're at or you're going to get worse. The old saying, if you want different results, you're going to have to do different things. And sometimes that means listening. And so I, my feeling is if somebody's already invented the wheel, I'm just going to buy it. <laughs> Why reinvent something that seems to be working? But when you're young and you think you've got to put your fingerprint on something and you think, I've I got to be the originator, can I just tell you something? Even according to the wisest man that's ever lived, there's nothing new under the sun. Just when we think we've done something nobody else has done, we created something nobody else has created. The reality is there's a really good chance somebody else has said it, created it already, and we're trying to get prideful and take all the glory for something we've done. In reality, we just need to be thankful that God made something we did work. I don't know how all this ends up. If I would have been God, I would have grown us faster than what we're growing right now, but I'm not God. And you know what? I'm not responsible for that. I'm responsible to get up every day and every Sunday and preach to you a message of hope that will send you out of here believing that you can be better than you are and experience more of God than you're experiencing. It's that simple. And so I put these things, and these are words you're going to want to probably write down. Know the way, show the way, go the way. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. You first have to know the way if you're going to show anybody the way. Now, what I've always loved about ministry is taking young people and giving them an opportunity to be something they're not going to be without somebody helping them be what they're going to be. That's what somebody did for me. Somebody believed in me. I, I think back, I am so glad that when I first started preaching, they didn't have, all, they didn't have YouTube or Facebook. I listened to my first sermon, and I went, I am never going to make it. <laughs> it was bad. And I went, but, but somebody kept believing in me. Somebody kept believing in me. Somebody kept propping me up and putting me up and giving me an opportunity. You know, we're, we, we, don't, we don't start out unless, you know, you're somebody famous, I guess, or great, like Elvis. And I just dated myself horribly. But rarely do we get to where we want to be without a whole lot of pride killing. I preached a whole sermon one time talking about Pharaoh and Potiphar, and I had them totally mixed up. And finally, somebody came up after I was preaching five times on a Sunday morning. It was after the first one. They go, well, can I, can I tell you something? <laughs> I was so embarrassed. It was like I didn't even know the Bible. You know what I'm saying? I'm preaching about the wrong guy. You know, I'm like, and I, 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 I kind of went, thanks for telling me. I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, and I don't remember who Pharaoh and uh, Potiphar are. Nowadays, I can laugh about it. Trust me, I wasn't laughing then. I felt like the biggest buffoon on earth. But it helped me. And I went, you know what? If I'm going to get better, I've got to get around people who are going to help make me better. 
who give me direction. And then once you know the way, God says, I want you to show the way. I want you to make disciples. I want you to help people become who I've called them to become. We live in a society that if you don't like how you look, you can always go get cool sculpting. When I was a kid, you lost fat by just working it off. Now we freeze it, dissolve it, and the body gets rid of it. I'm thinking, whatever happened to just good old-fashioned discipline? Because, you know, discipline's the root word for disciple. We've lost all discipline. Now, please don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm just making a point here that... We have created a system in our culture that requires very little of us to do or make changes that we need to make. And the last thing, it begins with making a connection, and then you hope that direction is as far as you have to go. But there does come a time, and Jesus showed us, if you're not going to listen to me, then I'm going to bring correction into your life. And I've had all of these. I have been corrected, and I hated it because I knew better. How many of you know when you miss direction? And men are horrible at this because we don't take direction well. <laughs> and that's how come. Have you ever noticed that most women, Siri's voice is a male, and most men, it's a female? Why? Because we've been told what, what way to go by women for so long that that's just what we listen to. Susan has... An Australian as her Siri voice. I have a British woman as mine. Because she sounds so smart. Listen to this. And this, these are the steps of correction. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. Now, if you get excited about correcting somebody, you're probably not the right person to correct them. If you're excited, I can't wait. I'm going to clean their clock. You cannot believe what I'm going to do to them. I've got proof. I've got a text thread. I've got... Uh, uh, uh. If you're excited, have the wisdom to say, you know, I really want to crucify this person, so it's probably not good that I correct them. So Jesus said, look, do it privately first. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. God is so awesome. He said, look, I don't want to embarrass anyone. God's not trying to embarrass you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to bring out the best in you. And if you're not submitted or surrendered, you may think you're smarter than your boss but somebody else doesn't think you are. Yeah. Or you would be the boss. There's a reason that boss is there, and it may be that you're smarter, but you're still not in authority, and until you can learn to follow, you'll never be a great leader. Great leaders were first great followers because they learned the value of listening to direction before it got to correction. Then it says, if they still refuse to listen... Tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. As a close with this, correction must be redemptive, not punitive. Number one, if you really want to win a brother, correction is redemptive. What can I do to help you? Because right now you're way off track. 
And I'm just telling you, this is my perspective, and I promise you it would be the perspective of all the witnesses I brought in here. That's why we're here. Now, the problem with this is it's a process. It's painful. Remember, the truth hurts before it heals. So when someone comes to you and they're trying to correct you, they need to make sure and you need to make sure they're there for redemptive purposes, not punitive purposes. Correction can point people in the right direction. If it doesn't, if all you're doing is punishing them, and please listen to this, if you're a young parent, the Bible says to discipline your children, not punish them. Discipline means I'm going to correct what you've done and I'm going to instruct you as to how to move forward from this point on. In other words, I want the best out of you. Punishment says... I just want you to suffer and be ashamed of what you did. That's punishment. You don't punish a kid. You discipline a kid. You don't punish an adult. You discipline an adult. This is the reason our penal system doesn't work well because it's all about punishment. It's not about rehabilitation. And in a world with social media, you're guilty before you ever have a chance to be innocent. And the challenge with this is love covers a multitude of sin. How much do you love? How much do you love? Because when people get off on waving the flag of your mistake, they're not the people you want correcting you. They're the people you want to get away from really quick. Correction must be about discipline, not shame. I've already said that. Correction should touch the heart. Correction without love only changes behavior momentarily correction with empathy shows our compassion and heart for people so if you want to be an influencer the very first thing you have to do is connect with people and that took Jesus well he took 30 years connecting with the people and then three years directing people and the people who wouldn't listen correcting people most people jump right to correction I have a 24-hour policy. I typically have a policy. I don't address critical issues after 5 o'clock, and I don't address them until after 24 hours, and I've had a chance for God to address me. Sometimes it's even longer. And people often say, well, I would have cracked the whip, and I'm thinking, well, we need to take the whip away from you. Because God didn't crack the whip. He got whipped by the whip, but he didn't crack the whip. And if your desire is to go around, how many of you know there are people that think one of the ministerial gifts is the gift of correction? Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, not corrector. Correction is the last step in influencing anyone. If someone refuses to listen to direction, then the goal is I'm going to address you and try to correct it. If then you don't listen the Bible says shake the dust off your feet and move on. Well, Roberts once said that he would be finished with people because he had great compassion for people. But he said when people quit asking questions that were the right questions that he couldn't give answers to, he said they didn't want my help. Well, shouldn't I, shouldn't I be offended? No, you shouldn't be offended. The Bible says that 
we're not to be offended. Great peace have those who love the law of God. Nothing shall offend them. And so there are times people come to you and ask questions to try to get you in their corner or on their side. They're not asking the right questions. That's the wrong question. What does God want? That's the question. What does the Bible say? That's the question. What is my response to what the Bible says? That's the question. Not, well, how do I feel about that? Let me tell you. And for the next hour, they just go off. Influence is patient and kind, redemptive, empathetic. Our goal is not to make people, create people in our image and likeness, but in God's image and likeness. And the Bible's filled with ways to do that. That's how come preachers used to tell people, well, you know, what if Jesus comes back on Sunday and you're not in church? Well, I'll see you at heaven then. Because I used to feel like if I, was, if I was, didn't go to church every Sunday, and don't get me wrong, I love you being here and I think it helps you, but pastors used to manipulate the body by saying, if you're not in church, well, you know, we're not real sure what's going to happen to you. That's just not the case at all. I want to be ravenous and insatiable and passionate about the church. That's the reason I want you to come. I don't want you to come because you feel guilty. I don't want you to come because you're afraid you're going to hell. I'm just telling you, you can overcome hell better having been to church because you're around people and you get stronger. Now, I'm not saying you can't do that out there by yourself, but I found that it's not good for man to be alone. And I'm not talking in the marital sense, but I'm saying two are better than one. They have a better return on their work. A strand of three cords is not easily broken. Don't forsake the assembling yourselves together as you see the day drawing near. The Bible is filled with reasons for us to be together and be in church. But as a pastor, that's all I can tell you. I'm not ever going to make guilt you into being here. I'm going to love you no matter whether you come or not. But we have to understand God wants the best for you, and he wants the best out of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Lord, we honor you today, and we respect you. That's why we're here. And so, Lord, I ask you today to help us to take direction from you to listen to your voice. With every head bowed, every eye closed, those of you that have not accepted Christ into your life, we always like to give you the opportunity to do that. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, what do I have to do? Call on the name of the Lord. That's how. Now, you don't have to do that because God loves you anyway, but the reality is to spend eternity with the God who loves you, we must accept him as our Savior. So I want to give you an opportunity. Pray this prayer with me, all of you here watching online. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to text the word SAVE to 405 513 405-500-1310. And uh, just let us know that you, you joined the army of God, the family of God, and we're glad and thrilled that you have. Please text us right now. Don't lose the moment. And just share this experience with us. 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week 
at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.